Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for TGIT. And we all know it's official because it is. Today, we have the best guests in like the history of guestdom. In guest life, when guest land, this is literally one of the best people ever. And I've been a huge fan, and Sean has been a huge fan of hers for about a few years because she's not that old. So please welcome and be as excited as I am to have Gina Davis here. Look, I'm clapping. That's Holly, who's our producer, and she's clapping too because she's so excited that Gina Davis is here. Almost as excited that Gina Davis is podcasting that Gina Davis even did this damn show, which is really impressive. Hello, Gina Davis. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. Well, that's I live in Guestland. I just wait, wait there until people Guestland call is me awesome. Out. It's yeah. a, there's a wonderful room. We have water with cucumber, in right. it, which is nice in, in Guestland. Yep. Today, Gina is wearing a um, great black suede jacket, which is kind of like, it's kind of tight and it's got kind of a nice fold to it. A really cool um, blue and white striped t-shirt where you could actually be a gondolier, possibly. A gondolier. Which would be good. Prisoner, and maybe. A prisoner, maybe. Yeah. Maybe work at a French restaurant. French restaurant. <laughs> with <laughs> a beret and a love of bread. Yeah. Exactly. And these pair of great, great blue jeans and then these awesome shoes, which actually are velvet and they have the faces of cats on them which is pretty incredibly cool. I'm dressed as her twin because she looks so cool that I went home and I changed. But I didn't have the cat <laughs> shoes, so I'm wearing a tiny pair of dog shoes instead, which right. I, think, I think work incredibly well. Right. So you've been playing Dr. Nicole Herman now for many episodes. 13 episodes? 13 episodes. Yeah. And this last one, we finally find out what happens to Nicole, which right. is pretty upsetting and traumatic, but really great because Nicole lived. We've watched the process of finding out that Dr. Herman was sick, watching Arizona work faster than a speeding bullet to learn everything that Dr. Herman knows, then watching Amelia desperately try to crack that brain tumor, mm -hmm. which she calls the baby. And last night was sort of the nail-biting surgery, and we could call it the recovery? Uh, yeah, well, w waking up from the surgery, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did wake up. <laughs> you, you absolutely, you did, you did wake up. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house here when Aww. you woke up, which was true. Aww. I know. I was so relieved that you woke up and that you didn't end up going to the great beyond, even though you lost your sight. Exactly. Only my eye nerves died. <laughs> uh, I didn't. The rest of me didn't. No. Um, your saucy sense of humor certainly didn't die. Exactly. Is that character. Exactly. I mean, I just love the lines I get to say, but in the whole thing, but that I take the opportunity to tease people that I have brain damage. <laughs> but I feel like, well, how often would you get that chance? Right. It's, it's you true. You kind of have to take advantage of it. It's true. And I also feel like Dr. Herman is better at giving people crap than almost any character I've ever seen. And kind of doesn't suffer fools. Right. Right. For, the, for the most part. Right. Including that damn weepy Arizona who did a fair amount of weeping <laughs> over the course of the past... <laughs> 13 episodes. She I mean, that girl has. is just a faucet. She has been a faucet. I know, I know. And we were sad that the whole thing was ending and everything. So when we shot that, there was weeping. Yes. There was weeping. She, you know, she's supposed to be emotional when I wake up anyway. Yes. But, yes. 
just in the rehearsals and everything, she was she was crying a lot. She was crying a lot, and then didn't she think she cried herself out at one point? Yes, yes. Well, we finished the master and all all of her coverage, and cried, 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 and then uh, whispered to me that on my side would would I mind if she didn't cry? Uh-huh. Because she was sort of cried out and yeah. wanted wanted a break from all the emotion, and because uh, technically you would do what you did on your side. For the other person. That's right, so you guys. Right. You, it's, a, it's a courtesy of actors right. that essentially what you want is you want the best performance from both people so the actors try to help each other get that performance. Right, right, exactly. So I said, no, 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 I don't mind. But of course, I knew that was not true. <laughs> she was going to cry. <laughs> and bam, they say, rolling, and wah. <laughs> so. <laughs> See, that's the joy of this stuff, which is I think she was probably so involved that she couldn't stop crying. Everybody was really sad when they knew that you were going to go away. And Aww. I think we're, that's why we were also relieved that you didn't die, because there's right. always a possibility of a long career as a blind surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. which, which tickles me, you know, as just an odd... Uh, just wow you're a good surgeon wow yeah she's the blind good surgeon yeah yeah yeah. did you have a favorite episode that you shot gosh you know they just kept getting better and better and more and more and more stuff to do which was awesome I don't know I had a lot of fun with a lot of them I really liked the one where I decide to hell with everything and and I start eating the ice cream and boffing young doctors and things like that the whole gram of it, gram of it all. That definitely rates as my favorite was when you started stepping gram. The the ice cream's great, and I think what's great about the ice cream is I think all of us at various points in our lives wished that we could actually taste every single ice cream that was out there. Right. And it just it made me think a lot about like how much time we waste because the great thing about the whole storyline is so much about how you're going to use the time that you have. And right. and I like like for me there was this one scene I think it was in last week's episode and not the one that we just watched but. It was one of the two, because I get the two kind of combined in my head, because they're mm-hmm. kind of two parts of the same thing. It's the scene where she ke- Arizona keeps saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Mm. And you say, you think I am? Right. Which is just so much about the person you're leaving behind versus mm-hmm. the person who's going through it. And for her, this kind of moment of total terror, and then it's put in perspective by the real moment of total terror, which mm. is, I didn't, I didn't choose this chicken show. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't what I want to be doing either. Right. And it just, it continues just to kind of remind me, and I think when you watch these episodes, that we spend a lot of time wasting time. I know I do. That's one of the profound things when you watch this. But it never got heavy because you were such a ball buster. Mm-hmm. about it that it's just in, with the best possible sense of humor about it right. I like that great scene when you like totally put Daly, Bailey down because Bailey's trying to get you to take that case and she's being a weasel right Bailey was being a weasel about yeah. that yeah. everybody was weaseling around <laughs> you a lot and when was the secret submission of the scans well, did that just piss you off I mean well yes <laughs> as I displayed <laughs> in the episode <laughs> that's true maybe I bring out weaselly behavior in people or something my character but I certainly know how to quash it also you, you, you certainly know. do and I think the funny thing too is as I feel like I feel like you're just scared of confronting you because you're so strong and yeah. you're so right and you know what you're doing yeah now it seemed like you and Jessica Capshaw who plays Arizona developed a really great relationship yeah we did we did we had so much fun we had a great great time you we can really tor- see it tortured each other and had fun all the time I also I have to tell you guys this is not going to come as a surprise but I have to tell you guys that poor Gina we we heard I heard that Gina was possibly interested in doing some television. I went to Shonda and Shonda we both 
like danced around the room and jumped up and down and got all silly. And essentially, you signed on knowing nothing. No, nothing. Well, I, I actually, by then, I knew I was a doctor. I knew and I, that I was very good at it. <laughs> there are two choices. <laughs> well, good or bad. Either you're a good doctor or a bad doctor. Yes. But no, and, and I said yes on a Friday, and I started on a Monday, and I don't really think it was written yet. <laughs> no, and, and the funny thing, too, is I think the first episode, you had like one line. Yeah. So what happened was then I got a phone call from your manager who said, not questioning anything here. Just curious. Yeah. She's going to have more than one line. <laughs> and I kept saying, she's Gina Davis. Yes, we're hiring Gina Davis. So I think, I think it turned out okay, but that was such an amazing leap of faith. Have you ever done that before? I've never, ever, ever done anything that I haven't read <laughs> before, just as a matter of principle. Like, well, let me read it, you know, but it, no, I've never, ever done anything like that. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just said, they know what they're doing. And then I saw the one line and I was like, okay, they don't. No. <laughs> Trust me. I had that moment too. I was like, yeah, I don't write this. I'm wondering if I should drive over and see if I can insert some more dialogue or something. Here. No. When did you find out you had a brain tumor? Let me think. Pretty early no, on. Well, well, I don't know. No. I think it was around episode five. Because I remember asking, you know, just, just by the way, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm mad a lot, which is great, fun, but why, does it turn into, do we find out why I'm so mad all the time? <laughs> Looking for any out. kind of motivation for your action. Yeah, right? and then I found out, yes, we know why now, and it's because you have a brain tumor. You were like, thank God for that. <laughs> I'm not just a crabby McCrabster, that would have been... Super, super embarrassing. Now you are, so you're married to a doctor. A did he, did you talk to him a lot about this? Well, uh, I did, yes. Because if I was married to a surgeon, I probably would. I asked him some technical term, what, what is this when I'm studying? And uh, he said, well, you're asking me this after you've completed all your careful research into what that is, right? And you were unable to find it on the internet. And I'm like, oh, God, just tell me. <laughs> It seems like marriage should have its privileges, you know? And at the very least, it should be exactly. that your husband tells you this Hi, stuff. Hi, you know this stuff, yes. Right? But did you hear about how he weaseled his way onto the show? No. You didn't? No, I don't know anything about this because I just sit in this room and yell at people all day long, so please. Right, and, we, and later we find out why you're so angry. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's no good. That's no good. So the medical advisor on the show is Linda Klein, who Reza, my husband, had worked for with earlier on Grey's Anatomy and on Nip Tuck as the hands. You know, that, that she, when she needed a surgeon to come in and be the hands of that's, an operation. That's your husband? He, he was one it. of the people who's done it, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So he, he knew her very well. They had a great time together years ago, you know, when he was still training. So we had more free time. So I, I say, guess who's the medical advisor, Linda Klein? Oh my God. So he calls her up and says, hey, Linda, how about getting me in a scene? <laughs> Jesus, and, and, and he tells me, she says she's going to try to arrange it. Get off my show. <laughs> this is my show. Would you get off my show? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm coming. I think I, I told her I, I want to... Um, Maybe you're, you're doing a, a surgery and you're having a hard time and then I, I take over and show you how to do it. I said, are you insane? Are you insane? You're gonna, you're gonna be handing me stuff if, if you're, I mean, you can't, you can't invent a part of the show. 
<laughs> but anyway, he came when I was doing an emergency C-section. He came and was handing me, he was the scrub nurse, <laughs> he was handing me stuff. Okay, so you know, they, they totally missed an opportunity here, which is not to tell you and then have you show oh. up on set and the person handing you the stuff was your husband because that would have been... That's such a missed opportunity. That's such a missed opportunity. And I, that would have made me irate, of course, because not only am I an angry person, clearly with no reason yet to be disclosed, right. but I hate surprises. So you <laughs> seem to be much better natured about that stuff. So wasn't that weird? No, no. Actually, it worked out great because he'd done a fair amount of, you know, in your training, you do all kinds of surgeries. And, and he showed me in between takes, he said, when you pack in the lap pads, just, you know, kind of showed me a, that it's a packing cheap. technique. She's going to bleed out, you know, so you're very, you know, aggressively stuffing these in there, you know, gently placing them. So a lot of people have asked about that mask they put you in. Is that as creepy as it looks? It turns out I'm not claustrophobic. I mean, everybody was very concerned that I would feel claustrophobic and f freaky, but it turns out I'm not. I'm kind <laughs> of a fish. I, it doesn't matter. I could sit still forever. So they get it a little warm or something. It's a sheet of that mesh. And then they slam it over your head. You're laying down and they slam it down and it just stretches. They push, 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 and it stretches and fits like so, so you cannot move. It's very precise. And so I, I practiced, some of the props people had practiced it to, to see how it, how it goes. And I looked at theirs and I could see where like, oh, their neck was squinched up or something. <laughs> So I practiced laying with my neck elongated and my shoulders back. Lovely, and, so. Despite the fact that Dr. Herman was having a little bit of a panic attack, I think Gina right. Davis looked very elegant. Gina you? Davis was not having a panic attack. No. Well, I see, this is about how well I acted you in did. the scene because they rushed over to take it off. They thought I maybe was actually freaking out. No, this is called what I do. Now... Um, obviously, this has been incredible for us to get to work with you, but you also have your own charity nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, your organization? Yeah, sure. So I have, uh, for a number of years now, I've had a nonprofit research institute that looks at gender depictions in children's media. So for kids 11 and under, and I started all that because I take everything too far. <laughs> but it, in this case... In a good way. In a, but in a good way in this case. It started because when my daughter was two-ish, I started watching little kid stuff with her. You know, yeah, little, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, TV shows and G-rated videos and stuff. And I immediately saw, wait, there are just far more male characters than female characters in what we're showing little kids. And then I started asking friends, did you notice there was only one female character in that movie that just came out? And none of them had noticed until I pointed it out. And then I started asking people in the industry, have you, you know, uh, if I had a meeting with a student executive or director or somebody, I'd say, have you noticed how few female characters there are in G-rated movies? And to a person, they said, oh, no, 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 that's been fixed. And they were very sure that it had been fixed. And they would name movies they made as proof that it had been fixed. And, and it wasn't like they were just saying, oh, nah, nah, that's not a problem. They said, no, we care about that. We've thought about it. We put a lot of effort into it. But they would, they were, they would mention movies with a strong female lead character as evidence that gender inequality had been fixed. They weren't noticing that the world was bereft of female presence. So that's when I decided I need the research. And then I went to see if there was research. There wasn't any. Nobody had ever studied There was no this. research. Even the researcher we ended up going to at, um, at USC Annenberg School for Communication, Dr. Stacy Smith, said, why do you want to study that? Is there a problem with it? I was like, 
Yeah, 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 I think so. <laughs> Nobody else seems to think so. You know, now we've done the most research ever conducted on gender depictions in media covering over a 20-year span, and it's it's really bad. And you consult now with a lot of entertainment companies because yeah. you're the go-to source for this information, and it done a lot to actually, I think, change both the awareness and the visibility of women in the industry, in mm. what we see on TV and in movies and well, I, yeah, I hope so. I think we really are making progress. And the thing is, because I'm in the industry, I don't have to educate the public about this. I could just go directly. I could say, hey, you know, Sony or whoever, can I come over and have a meeting? I've got some research I want to share with you. And, and so we go to all the studios, all the networks, all the guilds, and share it. And, and yeah, movies are coming out that we know we... I, I basically say, if a movie comes out and it seems like the female characters are well represented, probably it's because of me. I, you know, I'm not looking for <laughs> credit, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going great. And then now there's the Bentonville Film Festival, yes, which is super exciting, yes, and which is really going to highlight diversity and, right. you know, all gender equality and all that great stuff. Absolutely. And you kind of cooked this up too, didn't you? Well, yeah, I have a partner, uh, Trevor Drinkwater, who has a company called Arc Entertainment, and it's a, something we kind of cooked up and it's happening this May in Bentonville, Arkansas. Bentonville, Arkansas, you guys, you need to check this out. It's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. And there's going to be a lineup of great things to see. Yes, fantastic. And fantastic. super interesting people there. And right. you've got great people working on it. And right. Arkansas, like what a cool place to have a film festival. Like talking about not the first place you think of, which right. is why it's such a great excuse to get to go someplace we've never been before. Right. Exactly. You know, a lot of you guys have probably been there. I don't get to go anywhere or do anything. So it's very exciting for me. So Arkansas. That's why she's angry. And I think that's why I'm angry because I never get to go anywhere. Did I tell you about the prizes for, no. the, for the film festival? Unheard of in the entire world in film festivals. Guaranteed distribution, theatrically with AMC theaters, digitally, television and uh, DVDs in Walmart, which is, it's, just, it's absolutely unheard of. So it's very exciting. See, I'm making, I'm making an astonished and excited face Yeah. for those of you, because this is a podcast and it's lucky that you can't see me, but I'm just giving, giving you some sort of sense as to that reaction. <laughs> um, anybody who's interested, you should go online, you should check it out. Yeah. And both the Institute and the film festival, because they're both amazing. And selfishly for me, like when I first met Gina, the poor thing came in and I was like, okay, I just want to talk to you about the Institute because I keep hearing about this thing. And it is really interesting. Just go online and look, because you'll learn a lot and you'll see a lot of stuff. And I swear you will start looking at things totally differently mm. because after we even had this conversation, I'd like to say that we're relatively diversity centric oh, here. Oh God, you're but diversity I even, central. At that point, I went home one night and we were watching television and just randomly, it, there was a crowd scene. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just extras. I started looking and really noticing at what the balance was between men and women. Yeah. Diverse faces versus non-diverse faces. It's really interesting. So it's to play it. Try the game, like, because it honestly, you can yeah. do it and it will be, it's really, really eye-opening. Yeah. And we have some fan questions for you before you go. <gasps> Yay! There's just a ton here, which are so good. Um, first of all, Beverly Sweetmore wants to thank you for bringing brain cancer awareness to TV. Pamela Donald Feltake, I hope I pronounced that right. I suck at this, you guys. Out of all your acting you've done, what did you learn from being on Grey's? This, this part had an incredible arc which is really fun. A lot of times it might be on TV that the arc takes place over years, maybe, or, or something like that. And on this one, things were happening so rapidly they in, were, my, in my true. life. And uh, it was really, really fun. And to go through it very closely with somebody else who had their own fears and needs and agenda and navigate that. that was, it was maybe one of the most adult 
parts that I've played. Oh, wait, but I was the president. Well, well I was, that's not necessarily I was adult. pretty grown up when I, pretty, I mean, I was pretending to be anyway. You, do, you didn't. You were, you were a power suit like nobody's business. Like that was... <laughs> I still have all I, those I, suits. Do you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, for those of you who remember, which I'm sure a lot of you do because it was a great show, it was Commander-in-Chief and Gina played the president. And it was right around the time, actually it was... About 2006? Yeah. And it was around the time that we were doing Grey's because I was, we were big fans of the show. And it made me really, really wish that you could just be president and we could just cut out the television nonsense mm. and just put you in the White House because you seemed super good at it and you were handling your kids really well. And there were all those <laughs> state issues you had to deal with. Uh, yeah, yeah. You and Jessica Kapshoff had a super emotional scenes together as well as some pretty funny ones. Leisha Ong wants to know, did you have a favorite scene from the season or do you prefer the happy or sad ones? And we know what your favorite kind of episode was, I think. Right. But do you like doing the heavy stuff or the happy stuff better? Oh, that's a good question. It, you know, it might just sound pat to say I like both, but sometimes really funny scenes are tragic <laughs> uh, to the characters that are involved in it and, and uh, sometimes tragic scenes for the characters are, are funny to people watching it. So um, I like both. I think you want to only sprinkle really heavy scenes, which is what the, the show does, you know. Um, you only, you only want to go that far once in a while. And the, and the kind of really fun challenge for an actor is most people don't want to show all their emotions. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you have to dredge it up and feel it, but then put on the mask of not wanting to show it all, right. you know, and trying not to cry. People don't try to cry uh, in real life, you know, unless they're incredibly manipulative. No, but I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, Maya at Khalil Auntie wants to know, hey, Gina Davis, I love you. But who is your favorite character other than yourself and why? Well, you know, now I can't judge objectively because I have to say Arizona. Uh, just because, you know, I just Thank fell, you. fell in love with her. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Finally, Amy Rudolph at The Virgin Amy wants to know, do you still do archery? And do you have any tips for the beginning archer? Because I don't know if you guys know this, but Gina's a very accomplished archer who you participated in the Olympics, didn't you? Uh, I was a semifinalist in the Olympic trials. That's like being at the Olympics, for it's God's sakes. Like it's being... the same thing except without the place with the it's medals. very close. Exactly. Very close. <laughs> so, so do you have um, any tips for a beginning archer? Well, find a good coach. See, so what happened with me was that I saw it on TV in the Atlanta Olympics and America, the American men's team was winning all the medals. And so they were covered a lot and they showed the gold medal winner practicing in his backyard. And I thought, wow, that is so dramatic and beautiful. And I wonder if I would be good at that. And so, because I'd been really good at pistol shooting when I trained for Long Kiss Goodnight. The teacher said, you have like an extraordinary skill here. You could really compete in, in this. And I was like, good to know. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> so, so your aim must be really good. It's, there was something about hand-eye coordination or something, I guess. I don't know. The point is, uh, I found an excellent... I'd never played. I was 41. I'd never done archery and just found a really good coach from the beginning. And he said, part of the reason you're so good is I'm not having to correct bad habits. That when you're a kid, you have some, any old yeah. coach, whatever, you know, as you move on, you get more refined, but now you've got these bad habits that kick in when you get nervous. But I only learned the good way. So if I got nervous, there wasn't some other fallback. Did you get nervous? I don't get nervous, but I, I never get nervous, but I did at the trials. So I was competing. I was traveling all over the country, going to archery tournaments. Nobody ever, ever 
told any press or anything. Nobody knew about it. It's the worst so spectator genius. sport in the world. Oh, my God. Because who knows who's winning? You can't tell. The <laughs> you can't. target's 70 meters away. It makes <laughs> golf look like football. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. But then when I qualified for the trials, everybody found out and suddenly 50 news crews showed up and photographed every movement of my body. I'd pull an arrow out of the quiver, load it in. And every time I shot, the cameras would all whip over to the target to see where where I hit. And I just, I was wrecked. I was literally shaking out of my boots. So I should have practiced in front of people more, I think. <laughs> I think that's a lesson for everybody that you can pick something up whenever you want mm. if it's something you're really interested in, which yes. is totally, totally cool. And hopefully you guys won't have a large phalanx of press following you around when you do it, because that just sounds suckerama. It I mean, was crazy. God. But I do have a Funny or Die video of archery tricks that I made not that long ago. Which so. I will be looking at after this podcast. I'm very excited about that. Thank you so much for doing this and taking the time and driving all the way the hell over here when you have better things to do with your time. And it's always good to get a chance to see you, obviously, and get to talk about this. And this was such a huge deal for us that you Aww. did this part and that you contributed to this season. I think it just, it's been such an incredible experience for us. So thank you so much. Uh, any excuse I have to come back over here? I'm oh, proud. yeah, we're not letting you out. Uh, this, this, consider this to be the production company version of that mask you had on. <laughs> Hold your neck very still and don't get claustrophobic because yeah. we, we like you here. Okay. Um, next time on Grey's Anatomy, the episode is called I Feel the Earth Move, and I think you guys can figure out what that might be about. I'm not going to say. Just guess. Guess it's obviously named after a song, but I think you can kind of figure out maybe what the disaster is, which is creeping up. And there's going to be a lot of amazingly cool stuff. You're going to see Owen in an incredibly unique situation giving medical advice in a life or death setup, which is really moving and awesome to watch. On Scandal, this is a great episode, which I can't tell you anything about because it's Scandal or else I'd have to be killed. But just, it's a really good episode. Watch that David Rosen. He's at it again. And I guess, you know, Pope and Associates continue to live, but there are lots of twists and turns in this one. This is going to be Thursday, March 12th. That will be Grey's Anatomy at 8 p.m. on ABC. That's Scandal at 9 p.m. on ABC. Don't forget to watch American Crime, the new phenomenal television show, which was created by John Ridley, who you know from 12 Years a Slave. That's at 10 p.m. on ABC. Thanks for following all the Shonda Lynn shows on Twitter, liking them on Facebook, and getting caught up in the ABC.com. Or the Watch ABC app. If you miss um, any of the episodes, you can always check it out. Don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast. That's me on the iTunes.com backslash Shondaland. And we'll be back next week. For another Shondaland Revealed podcast, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer. Have a great week. Stay safe. And I'll be talking to you next week. Bye-bye.